Welcome to episode number 61 of the Grab Blogger podcast. This is the podcast where helping academics change the world through online business. We're helping you by giving you the tools, the tips, the strategies, and the techniques you need to build an online business based on your research experience, your background, and the change that you want to see in the world. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're talking about five tips for delivering your online conference. This is part five in a series on marketing your online conference. In episode 44, we talked about getting your sales sequence right. In episode 45, we talked about how to market to your newsletter. In episodes 58 and 59, we talked about a review of newsletter marketing analytics. So after the event, where do we make our sales from our newsletter? And in 59, we talked about review of other marketing channels. So this included website capture, LinkedIn videos, and press release and media partnerships, and what worked for us there and what didn't work for us there. In today's episode, and in this fifth part of this series, we're going to talk about actually delivering your online conference. In the episode, I want to talk about why it's important to focus on delivery. So you made all these sales, you have everyone in the door, but you also really want to deliver a great experience, deliver a great event, so everyone's excited, they've learned a lot, and they're, they're ready to come back for the next one that you run as well. We're going to talk about what did the process look like in terms of the team that we used to run the Digital Dust Safety Conference, but also what were our processes, what are, were our standard operating procedures, what did the day of the event look like? They're the days of the event, actually, because it was a four-day event. Now, I'm going to give five tips for delivering your own online conference. I think you should be considering when you're thinking about doing this for your own business. As always, the transcripts for this episode are available at grabblogger.com slash 61. You can get a nice PDF download of the transcripts that we'll be talking through. And we also have a cheat sheet there outlining the roles and responsibilities of the three-person digital conference team that we used, and also a list of the SOPs and checklists that our team used to run the event, including when and how to interact with speakers, the handoff process between team members. Don't forget to press the record button so you have the recording at the end of the day and other important things like that. So we put that up and bundled it from our actual event into a cheat sheet that you can get at grablar.com slash 61. We'll be talking about a lot of those features of those processes in this episode here. So why is it important to focus on delivery of your event? Well, the first thing is, you know, you want to have a really great experience for your attendees. You want to make sure that they're enjoying themselves, that they're learning a lot, that they think things are well organized that they're not getting frustrated because they can't log in or can't find their password or can't find the right pages to go to. You want to alleviate all that. And as part of a big event, this can be quite difficult. So our conference was a four-day conference. that had 52 presentations. We had two, almost 250 people from 25 countries across 12 different time zones. I did five of the presentations myself, so that left 47 other presentations that were done through this, this four-day online conference that had to be organized. Some of these actually had two speakers, so we had over 50 speakers that need to be corralled and cajoled into uh, you know, showing up on time and all that sort of stuff as well. So you can imagine in the weeks and even months leading up to running the event, just the nervous level of, of the team and can we get this to go off without a hitch and you know how many hitches are there going to be. And the feedback from our event was actually exceptionally well taken. We'll share this in the next episode in the series about running a post-event survey and what some of the results were, we had feedback like this was better run than a live event. Not one presentation didn't work. Not one audio signal was dropped. We had every event replay available. We had every set of slides collected. Um, people just really enjoyed it. And I thought at least there'd be a you know, 1% failure rate or 2% failure rate. So there were 52 presentations, you know, one, two, three, four of them would go off wrong or stop or videos would freeze or something. 
Um, but it didn't. It actually ran without a hitch. It was a ton of work for myself and the team. And we'll talk about that in this episode, but it was it was really neat to see. And as a personal story, my power actually flickered on the 52nd presentation on the fourth day, which would have dropped if the line did drop, if I lost my power, that would have you know kicked everyone out of that meeting and we would have lost on the last presentation. But fortunately, my power didn't drop and we, we were able to finish with this uh, perfect score for, for our event. So the other reason for this that we want to talk about in this episode is we talked a lot about marketing, how to get people into your event, but you actually want to you know deliver a great event and there are a lot of moving parts, especially if you're running these multi-day, multi-speaker events like we ran. So I really want to break down how we did it. We're going to talk about our exact team, our exact process, step-by-step, step, and we're going to end up with these five tips of running your own event. In terms of the Digital Dust Safety Conference, then, what did it look like in terms of delivery? So I'm going to talk about the, the conference team. I'm going to talk about a general overview of what the, the process looked like for delivering the presentations. We're going to actually talk about moderating the sessions. I actually moderate all, every one of the 52 presentations, including the ones that I gave myself but also the 47 others in terms of fielding questions, doing introductions, doing the question and answer at the end. So we're going to talk about that a bit. We're going to also talk about some tactics and some tools and things you should be adding to your repertoire so you can use it for your own event as well. In terms of the team, we had a three-person conference team. We had myself, and I was the moderator of the sessions. And also I did uh, five presentations myself as well. So the moderator is the one that introduces the speaker, um, collects the questions while the speaker's presenting, and then actually, you know, delves out the questions at the end of the presentation. We had an event organizer, and they were responsible for making sure that the speakers were there on time. Because I was inside the presentations, we'll talk a bit about our schedule in a second. Because I was inside the presentations, I didn't know if a speaker was missing or wasn't going to be ready for their session. So we had an event organizer whose, whose sole job was really to crowd the speakers, make sure they're there, and also for um, answering help desk questions if people are emailing our help desk email for the event. And the third person on the team was a research and support person. So while myself and the event organizer were, were flat out busy the entire conference, this person more had a, a relaxed role. They were just responsible for attending, for seeing the conference through the eyes of an attendee, for taking notes about the sessions, which we'd use then to summarize the sessions after the event. I'm um, just helping where needed. So just being there for support. If the help desk emails got too many, then the event organizer could hand that off to the research and support person. If I need something set up, then I could request that through our Slack channel. The overall conference process for the Digital Dust Safety Conference, the keynotes were 55 minutes long, and the technical sessions were 25 minutes long. And this was generally 20 minutes of presentation, followed by 5 minutes of questions, or for the keynotes were 40 minutes of presentations, followed by 15 minutes of questions. These were grouped into, these presentations were grouped into two-hour sessions, so in a morning, we'd have two keynotes that were an hour long or 55 minutes long, followed by one technical session. So we'd go four hours straight, then we'd have a one-hour lunch break, and then we'd come back and do another technical session followed by the keynotes in the afternoon and the evening. So you can see these were pretty long days, and we only had a five-minute gap between presentations, which is kind of crazy looking back on it and was kind of crazy while we were delivering it, but it made for this really tight conference where there weren't a bunch of gaps in the middle. If we're going to run it again, I might have added a recess in, you know, between the keynotes and the breaks. The problem is we didn't want the recess to be half an hour. We only wanted it to be 15 minutes. Then all our start times are staggered. So we went with this really tight schedule and made it happen through having this three-person team. In terms of the sessions, then I moderated the presentations, did the intro, collected the questions, and presented them to the audience. 
and let the speaker talk about them. Because I was doing that for every session for the four hours straight in the morning, the event organizer then needed to make sure the next session was ready for switchover when I came in. And I'll read through some of our standard operating procedures and checklists for this in just a moment. Before that, I want to talk about some other tools and and tactics that we use that made things a lot simpler. And I have three of these. So one was a links page. Because we were running every presentation using Zoom, we had built the platform in in 10X Pro as our, our choice of platform built this conference um, area that people logged into to get access to the event, but all the presentations themselves were actually in Zoom. And because there were different roles, there were speakers and moderators and organizers and attendees, there were a lot of links, Zoom links that needed to be organized. So the best way to do this was just a one Google Sheet, had speaker one, speaker two, the administrator, and we'll get into what that is in a moment, the moderator, the event organizer, and the attendee as columns, and then the links to each of the 52 presentations in there. So if one of the speakers didn't know their, didn't have their link to their Zoom meeting as a panelist, you just go grab that link there. If there's an attendee that emailed and said, I can't figure out how to get to the, uh, the presentation, then you can just send them the attendee link right from that sheet. So it's just one sheet that all the links, and you can do the math, there was, I think there were six columns by 52 links. So it ends up being a lot of links to run all these Zoom meetings. The reason we use different Zoom meetings for each presentation is we wanted the the Zoom meeting to end and the recording to be available almost in live time or, you know, within half an hour. And we couldn't do that if we did one full meeting that lasted the entire day. So this is the solution that we came up with here. The second tool or tactic is a program page. So in general, we didn't email the attendees or individual links unless they emailed us and said, hey, I can't figure out how to attend this event. Then we just send them, you know, a one-off link. But instead of having, you know, automated emails that went out every 30 minutes, where this is the next presentation, we create a program page. So this had a tab on top for day one, day two, day three, day four, the presentations and their times. Then when you clicked on that presentation in the program page, it would take you to that Zoom meeting. So that was like the home base for the people to attend the event then. They could just keep this program page up. They want to catch the 10.30 meeting. They click on that before it launched. They go into that meeting. They want to catch the 12 o'clock, then they click there. That same program page then, as the recordings became available, we swapped the link out to link to a page that had the video of the recordings and the slides for downloads. So it's kind of neat. You could see actually in real time moving down this program page where we were in the event by where the recordings were and you know where the next sessions were coming up. Last tool that I'll mention here was a Google Sheet with all the speaker information. So this is this one sheet, had a tab for each presentation. The few bullet points that I use as the moderator for the introduction of the speaker, you know, they're affiliation, their role, uh, the correct enunciation of their name on that one sheet. And this is also the place where I copied the questions as they came in. So instead of doing it just through Zoom, I collected the questions from Zoom, copied them into the Google Sheet. That way I could kind of copy and paste them around in that sheet. We also had them later to copy in the community form because we had the text for the questions. Otherwise, you lose those in Zoom once you press exit. And we want to make sure that we kept all those questions as well. So I'm going to flip over. And before going through the tips I recommend for your event, just go through some of the standard operating procedures and checklists that we use for the conference. Again, you can get this cheat sheet with all the roles and responsibilities of the three team members, plus all of these checklists. Um, I'm only going to go through a couple of them here at grablar.com 61, so you can use them to run your own event. So for the event organizer, we had checklists around speaker correspondence. So for each speaker and they set this up automatically, but they had, well, actually they did part of it automatically, part of it manually. 
They had an email reminder go 24 hours before that speaker's presentation. This was because we were the speakers were across 12 different time zones. Well, actually, the attendees were across 12 different time zones, but the speakers were also across several. So send an email at 24 hours saying, your presentation is at this time tomorrow. And then they knew, you know, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon or it's, you know, 9 a.m. in the morning or whatever. It's this time tomorrow. Send an email 24 hours before. Send a reminder email one hour before asking them to be on 20 minutes before, the, actually 15 minutes before the presentation. And then we actually had the event organizer call them if they weren't on 10 minutes before in order to, you know, help them get on um, if they weren't in the system. We're actually prepping what we called the green room. So this was the meeting that was launched before I was done moderating the current presentation. We'd have the event organizer launch that meeting, get the speaker ready, get them in there so that they were ready when I flipped over in that five-minute interval, which a lot of time ended up only being a two- or three-minute interval, trying to get the speakers to terminate on time. You know, it had to be very precise. So the, the process that we used was 20 minutes before the event organizer would launch that next presentation. She'd launch it privately so that the audience, if they logged in early, couldn't actually see what was going on, but they'd launch it 20 minutes before. 15 minutes before, she'd email the presenter if they weren't in already. 10 minutes before, they'd call the presenter if they weren't already logged in. Once the speaker was in, she'd just leave a note in Slack for me to say, hey, um, Jim is here, ready for the next session. That way, I knew when I'm moderating that session, I had Slack open, could say, okay, we're good to flip over to the next presentation whenever. If we had, we actually didn't have this case, but if a speaker was late or they couldn't find them, then I could say that at the end of that presentation so that people aren't going into the next session. And then the last thing on the step list was once the speaker was in, run the pre-presentation checklist. The pre-presentation checklist was just simple. It's just make sure that you can hear the speaker, they can hear you, open their slides and make sure they can take control of them, let them go through the slides and make sure they look correct. Just kind of get the speaker warmed up and ready to give their session. So I'll give you two more of the SOPs that are in this, this cheat sheet document. Again, there's a, a number of them that are in here. Um, but this was for setting up the presentation and actually starting the presentation. Probably the most critical part of the you know presentation for most critical part for each presentation in the conference. So step one was the moderator opens the presentation on what I was calling the admin computer. And we'll talk about this in a moment as a, as a tip. We had all the presentations run on one computer that was physically located with me in my office. Not the computer I was using for the moderating, but another computer that we could give the presenter access to and let them control remotely. We'll talk about that in a moment, why that's important. But the moderator opens the presentation on the admin computer. The moderator shares the screen with the presenter. The moderator gives remote control to the presenter. The moderator plays from the first slide. The moderator moves the mouse out of the way. Moderator makes the presentation full screen. Double check that everything looks correct. And then let the speaker test that they can flip through the slides. So again, this is all being done privately so the audience can't see it once I've moved over from the previous presentation. Then we had a separate checklist for actually starting the presentation. So now the speakers warmed up, we're ready to go, ready to, to start the broadcast. So the first step here is move back to the first slide on the slide deck, double check that everything looks correct on the, the moderator screen and the admin screen. Moderator presses record, moderator cross checks that everyone can see the red light. So cross check that the speakers can actually see the red light. That's a really great way just to test that you press record. If you always cross check, hey, can you see the red recording light before you record anything? You'll always remember to press that button. If you don't do that, eventually you forget to press the button. So that's why they do things like cross-checking doors on airplanes, just to make sure that everyone looks and say, all the all the flight attendants look and say, oh yes, all the doors are closed. 
So you have this cross check. Same with recording. So moderator press record, moderator cross check so everyone can see the red light. Say that we're about to broadcast, double check the sound levels across all the computers that I have in front of me. Um, press broadcast, and then it took about 45 seconds for the presentation to come up and the audience come in to start the session. And then I'd go ahead and do the introduction. I'd introduce the speaker, um, let them present, and, and moderate their questions afterwards. So that gives you an idea of some of the operating procedure and how this would actually look to run this multi-day, back-to-back-to-back online event. Again, you can't do this yourself. You need a great team. I was pleasantly surprised. My team did an amazing job both the event organizer and the research and support person in making this event really an, an awesome thing. There's some side effects here uh, that I didn't really expect from running this event. Uh, one was I got a lot more trust in my team because they got to interact a lot with the presenters, interact a lot with the audience. And they did an amazing job. So that was really kind of a cool outcome. But they also gained a lot of experience attending the event, seeing the presenters, seeing the presentations and talking with them and learned a lot about their industry. I learned a lot about our industry as well, and all the people that were in it just by having this large event. But the team did an amazing job, and I really do want to give a hat tip to them because it wouldn't have been, you know, we couldn't have ran this event without the three-person team that we had and even the, the rest of the team that was supporting as well. So I want to close off this episode by talking through five tips for running your online conference. We've, we've given the, you know, the how of running the event. There's the SOPs and the checklists you can get from the cheat sheet that we have. But I want to give you five tips that I learned and, and implemented for this event. So tip number one is to put yourself in the schedule. This has a couple of advantages. It allows you to control the messaging a bit. In my case, this conference was in boat industrial safety, had a lot of equipment and service providers that may have been competitors presenting. So I did want to you know, control the messaging that is a neutral conference that you're going to get multiple opinions. Now, if there's no real right way to do this, this allowed me to you know, keep the messaging consistent across all the presentations, but also, you know, make sure it's a fair playing field for all the speakers because they work competitors in our space. Second advantage, and this one's probably more important, it puts you as the authority, you know, allows you to give basic and general information about the overall event, but it kind of rubs off that you are the authority if you're speaking at the event. So I put myself as the morning keynotes for each session and I was always present. I was there moderating each session. This really you know, allowed me to be put at the forefront as being involved with all the speakers really helped increase my authority and also interaction with the audience. So people build more of that like, know, and trust factor about who I am and why, you know, we're doing this at Dust Safety Science. I would say moderate the sessions if you can. It's a ton of work. These were including lunch breaks, you know, eight, nine, 10 hour days for four days, <laughs> moderating these sessions. It was a near Herculean feat for my team, which was amazing. Um, and it was definitely pretty, pretty, difficult for me, but we did an amazing job. And there's a lot of knock-on benefits from being so present and so in front of people for so long at that event. So it is a lot of work. Uh, might not be possible to moderate each session, but it definitely gives you a, a really great spot in front of the audience and allows you to, to create all these great connections at once. And then the last note I'll put here is on keynotes and moderation. So keynotes for an event should frame the more in-depth discussions. And you'll see this if somebody's a really good keynote speaker, if they're doing the morning sessions, they'll put in how everything kind of fits together that you're going to see later on in the day. So that's why I put myself first in the keynotes was one, it puts me as the authority for the event, but two, allowed me to say, this is all the general information you need to know to understand what's going to come on later. And I actually told the speakers, you don't need to cover the general information. I don't want to see 45 presentations that have the exact same introduction. I'm going to cover that in the morning keynotes you can jump right into the more intermediate and advanced topics. 
And at the end of the day, you can go and bring you know, your heavy hitters, your wow factor speakers that you have at the end of the keynotes. And for us, these were government groups, large industry trade associations, folks that people didn't expect to see at the conference delivering really great messages there. So that's tip number one. Think about putting yourself in the schedule as the moderator and even presenting as much as you can. Maybe I wouldn't recommend giving five presentations and moderating 47 presentations separately. But to be honest, we got through it and I got through it personally and it made for a really great event as well. So the second tip is to have a team of at least three people for this type of online event. So have yourself, the moderator, you're responsible for creating the consistent feel, string concepts together, keeping presentations on time. That's critically important. You'll be very busy at the start and the end of the presentations. You won't be that busy in the middle because the speakers will actually be talking. But you won't have time to worry about where the speakers are at in the intro and the exit of the presentation. So that's why you really need the second team member, which is the event organizer. This is just like a physical conference. It's the, you know, the person who collects the, the thumb drives and makes sure the presentations are on the, the computer that are giving the presentations, make sure their work, flips through them, checks the formatting, goes and hunt down speakers at lunch breaks to make sure that they're actually there. Somebody who's just doing all this, you know, crowling at the speakers. And it's a really important job because when they're not there um, and you get delayed, then you have this where the organization of the conference is really seen negatively if the audience is there waiting and you can't find the speaker. Then the third one is this research and support team member. So in this case, our research and support team member attended the conference like they were a participant with some extra responsibilities. So it's nice because they were attending so they could give us feedback if something was wrong from an attendee standpoint. They just messaged me in Slack and said, hey, Chris, this doesn't look right or something's not showing up. So they were able to kind of keep an eye out for that. They were also available as we need. If we needed help with the answering the help desk questions or you know need anything, they were there for support for that. Um, we also made them responsible for collecting and documenting the main points for each presentation and also responsible for supporting the rest of the team. So this could be you know, a volunteer that gets a free ticket to your conference that does this research and support task, or it could be one of your team members. In our case, we had a, our technical content writer attend the event and be this research and support person. So it's really great because it was like they got a, you know, a four-day course on our topic. They were a little bit less busy, so they were able to support us. But they were really able to think about, okay, how can we use this information that we're learning at this event from these excellent speakers in our content creation, in our products, in our services in the future? So it was a really good investment to have them just attend the event, sit into the sessions, and then be there while we need them. Also be there to collect that intellectual property from the conference that we can use in our, our business moving forward. The third tip is to host the presentations on your own computer. Actually, not your own computer, but on a computer. You see these in live presentations where people bring their own laptop up and then it doesn't work. You don't have the right cable. The formatting's messed up. You want to collect the presentations beforehand and run them off of one computer. That way, as the speaker, you know, the event organizer or the person running the event, you can actually look at all the presentations, make sure the formatting makes sense, make sure there's nothing that's inappropriate. In our case, we collected the slides up early and I actually ran the, the event with three computers. So I had my main computer, which I was the moderator on, so this was the one where I was collecting questions and I was speaking into most of the time. But I also had two laptops set up. One was the admin laptop. So this was the laptop that I opened the presentation on and gave the speaker control of remotely so they can run through the slides. This allowed me to collect all the presentations early and make sure that they all worked right on that laptop, that all the videos worked. We probably had 20 videos play throughout the online live conference and every one, 20 out of 20, worked. You don't even see that in a real in a physical conference. Most of the time, the videos are messed up 
because of formatting issues between computers and stuff. So we collect them early, ran them off one presentation. And I did have a second laptop that was just the guest. So this is where I, I logged in as an attendee. And that way I could actually see what it looked like from the attendee's perspective. So when I fired up and broadcasted a presentation, I could see when that actually came up to the viewers. Then I wait you know, an extra 15 seconds while everyone piles in. But I just had that three computer system. So I'll go through them again. My computer, which was the main one that I was using as the moderator. The admin computer, which was running the presentation and sharing control with the speaker that they could control the slides. This was nice too because the speakers got lost or closed something by mistake. I had that computer right there. I could take over control and set it back up pretty quickly. Um, if their computer goes down, then you know I still have the session there in front of me. It's very much safer to have it, the presentation running off your own computer. And the third computer was this admin or was this guest laptop where I was just logging in as an attendee. Tip number four is to do speaker test runs with everyone. This is extremely time consuming. <laughs> Again, we had almost 50 speakers. We had everyone go through a test run that was as close as we could as being identical to what they'd experienced at the event. The reason for this was, you know, it was good for making the guests feel comfortable. They knew what to expect the day of the conference. We knew we were running type timelines between presentations, so we wanted them to be comfortable, to also know how to log in, how to do everything, what they're going to see, so they're not seeing it for the first time the day of the event. It was very good for finding problems. These problems are what we use to identify, you know, and improve our, our standard operating procedures and our checklists. Oh, something strange happens where they lose control of their mouse, what do I do? How do I reset that? So we create a checklist. This is how to reset the remote position or you know whatever happens. It was a really big investment because both myself and the event organizer did 50 of these test runs over two weeks, which you can just imagine was just uh, a lot of work. But it was a great help to actually making them feel comfortable and also pinpointing where we're going to have issues. And this, this is the biggest thing that I contribute to why the event ran off so smooth uh, the week that we actually ran it. So I mentioned that the speaker test runs allow you to identify problems that will come up and then create uh, procedures for them. So this is tip number five is create a standard operating procedure and create checklists for everything as you go. So you just picture, you know, you, you start running your conference, you get used to what you're doing, you start skipping steps, but by the end of the day, you're getting kind of tired, and you start taking shortcuts. Before you know it, you forgot to click record on a session, the session's over. Now you got to go ask the speaker, hey, can you record that again so we can have the recording or, you know, you kind of lose access to the recording. You don't want to miss steps. So that's why it's important to create these standard operating procedures and just read through them. Then when you are tired, you're not going to make that mistake and lose that you know, important piece of information or even forget to press broadcast. I've seen that where you know the speaker does 20 minutes of their presentation and then you realize the audience isn't even there. Um, these are all things you don't want to do when you're running an event. So create these SOPs. So we had you know steps to moderating a session, when to contact speakers, how to communicate, what to do after the sessions, how to upload recordings, and again, we put these all in one cheat sheet that you can get access to at grabblar.com slash 61. So that's it for this episode of the podcast. We talked about delivering your online conference and five tips for doing that. In the session, we talked about why, you know, focus on the delivery. Why is this such a critical part? You want to have a great event. You've sold all these tickets. Now you want people to enjoy themselves, to learn, and to want to come back to the event the next time you run it as well. We talked specifically about what did the Digital Dust Safety Conference look like in terms of the three-person team that we use and the exact process that we use. Then we gave five tips for delivering your own conference. Put yourself in the schedule, have a team of at least three people, host the presentations on your own computer, do speaker test runs with everyone, and create a standard operating procedure and checklist for everything that you're running during the event so you don't 
forget to, uh, you know, press record at the most important time or to share the presentation or some other thing that's going to be, you know, a catastrophic uh, failure for that presentation. So if you have any questions or comments on this episode, you can email me at chris at grabblogger.com. I reply to all the emails that we get. Um, you can also reach out to me on social media at grabblogger on Instagram and on Twitter and tell me how are you, how's your event going or what are your plans for running event or did you find this episode helpful and actually planning out some of your process as well. As always, you can get the transcripts of this episode and a nice PDF download at grabblogger.com slash 61. If you want our cheat sheet with a list of roles and responsibilities and all these SOPs that we mentioned and checklists in this episode, you can get that there as well. So have a great week ahead. I'm looking forward to coming back with you with another episode of the Grabblogger podcast next week, which I think we will be covering the actual post-event survey and how to get the most out of your event after you've run it as part of your business. Mm-hmm.